What's up, everyone? My name is Brody Vincent, and I'm the host of Profession Session, the podcast. In my show, I interview young entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals that have been incredibly successful in whatever it is they're doing across a variety of different subjects. And I do these videos to break down the most recent five interviews that I've done, just to talk a little bit more about the things that I learned from those interviews and the things that have really stuck with me the most. So this breakdown will be going through interviews 11 through 15 that I've done recently. Just finished and posted 15 this week. So if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely go check it out. So the first one that I'm going to be talking about today is number 11. This was with Steve Strum, my friend and actually financial advisor as well. He was not talking about finance in this episode. He was actually talking about a lot of the ways that he has been successful in relationship-based selling. So the first point that really stuck with me from Steve's interview was actually about how he does his relationship selling. He made a big point of saying that he does relationship-based selling rather than transactional-based selling. And what he meant by this is that rather than focusing on trying to complete a transaction whenever he meets someone, is referred to someone, or just comes across a new person that he's meeting, he focuses on just building the relationship with that person and developing that just to see if there's any kind of mutually beneficial value that they can bring each other. So I thought that was a really important point because if you're approaching it in that manner, you're coming without any kind of expectation of the person buying from you. And people don't like to be hounded for a sale. You know, everyone thinks of the sleazy used car salesman that snipes you as soon as you walk onto the lot and tries to push a sale on you. No matter what, it's sleazy, it's uncomfortable. No one likes that. So you can really combat that well by focusing on just building relationships and providing each other value in the way of networking. And if a sale comes from that, awesome. If it doesn't, it's just another great relationship that might provide value to either one of you later down the road. I really liked that point and it's shifted my focus a little bit to, you know, put the the transaction in the back of my mind as much as possible when I meet someone. Really just focus on, all right, who is this person? How might we be able to help each other out? I think it's a much better focus to have. There's less pressure on you as well. You don't feel like you're losing if you don't get a transaction out of something. You'd feel like everything's just a, a positive connection. Another awesome point that Steve went over is how by giving back to the community that you work in and that you serve, you know, the industry you operate in, this can actually really help build your personal brand. So like me, he actually hosts a TV show, a little bit different from what I do, but he hosts a TV show where he meets a lot of entrepreneurs and professionals. They do shorter little segments just to highlight what they do real quick, less of a long form content kind of thing. But he's been doing this for about six years and knows a lot about it. And he, over those six years, has really seen his personal brand grow just by virtue of focusing on being able to give back to the community and educate the community. So this was you know, really cool because this reaffirmed exactly what it is I'm doing. It was just cool to see that that's worked really well for someone else. And, you know, he's someone that's just six years further down the road than I am in what I'm doing in a little bit different ways. Another awesome point from Steve was about the importance of, you know, just keeping your head down, staying humble and just working. It's really important to stay humble and get the work done don't brag about what you're doing as much as you can avoid it. You know, you got to promote yourself to an extent. 
depending on what you do. But just the point of not really bragging about what you're doing, your accomplishments and that kind of thing, and just staying focused on the work and bringing things forward in that way. Another great point of Steve's was just the importance of building your personal brand. So he went through a crisis similar to many through the 2007-2008 crash where his whole career path kind of got shaken up. He was with a big company doing great in his career, but he saw many people lose the value of their career because they lost their job during this time and they hadn't built any kind of personal brand to be able to take themselves to the next opportunity. Building your personal brand and being able to have that as well, you're proofed against the different catastrophic events that could happen in the market or things getting shaken up. This made me also reflect on something I went through and many people went through during COVID. When COVID first hit, a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually a personal trainer So I was working out of a major gym. I had built up a client base for myself. I had been doing it for not that long. I'd been doing it for maybe half a year, uh, maybe three quarters of a year, but I had built up a nice little client base for myself and was fairly successful at it, enjoying it and, and really liked the clients I worked with. But all of a sudden COVID hit and the gym closed down completely. And I found myself with no more clients to train. I had I think one client that stuck around and did Zoom calls, but most people didn't really want to lose out on that personal touch of being in person and being trained and actually having to go to the gym. So all of a sudden I found myself pretty much without a client base and I ended up actually going back to school during COVID and getting a another certification after having already graduated with my undergrad that ended up, long story short, leading me into what I do today and feeling like I'm pretty successful and a lot more proofed against the market getting shaken up a lot. And so this made me really reflect on that and how it is very important to to proof yourself against market conditions and building a personal brand, great way to do that. So the second interview in this set of five that I did was an interview with Tiffany Howard who is a real estate broker in Jacksonville, Florida. So this was really cool. I had actually just completed a transaction with Tiffany. We got to kind of reflect on that a little bit and just talk about the market as it pertained to the experience that we had gone through together. She shared a lot of really awesome knowledge on the real estate market, her take on it, a lot of great tips for buyers and sellers and for real estate agents, the various different kinds. She explained the the real estate market and how it's broken up into the different positions, types of agents, et cetera. So this one was really cool. I didn't know much about it before I talked to her and I learned a lot. So check that one out for sure. If you want to learn about real estate, very good base level, informative conversation on real estate there and the real estate market. One huge point that stuck with me from her interview was how there's just a lot of very high leverage ways that you can add value to a house before actually selling it. And when I say high leverage ways, that means things that you can do fairly cheaply that will add a disproportionately large amount of value to your house. One example that she used was just getting your roof replaced. If you can get an insurance claim on it, you're going to have to replace a roof anyway. If it's 
damaged past a certain amount depending on the legality of where you live florida is a good example if it's 25 percent or more damaged it has to be replaced for it to be insured a lot of things like that where you can just go ahead and make a little change make a little replacement some kind of insurance claim or something little ways you could spruce it up that disproportionately increase the value and the perception of it when you actually go to sell it another really important thing from talking to tiffany is that real estate requires a ton of knowledge and expertise to really navigate correctly and the reason this is really important is because the average person doesn't know a ton about real estate and so you should really interview a few different agents she said before you actually decide on who you want to go with for your buying or selling of a house or property because there's so many agents out there that are very green to the industry and if you don't get the kinds of answers to the questions you should be asking which she went into more detail on this conversation then you should probably look for a different agent and you also need to another big point that she made was that you need to really make sure that it's someone that you get along with well so really just the importance of doing a little due diligence before you actually decide who's going to be buying or selling your home because if you don't get along with the person and they're not knowledgeable it's a very stressful high stakes situation if you don't get along with them things could go sour and if they don't know what they're doing, you're not going to get a great deal and you're going to get kind of screwed. Very important point there if you are looking to buy or sell a house or if you are a real estate agent and trying to think through the things that make me appealing as an agent that someone might hire. So the third interview that I did in this set of five, number 13 overall, was with my friend Danny Carenter, who's actually another podcast host here in Orlando. So this one was really cool. Danny and I kind of knew each other through mutual friends and through just seeing each other around. We both came from the background of being in Greek life during our time here at UCF in Orlando. So that was really cool just to be able to connect on that. And he has an awesome podcast that he does here out of Orlando called the Big DK Energy Podcast. So if you want to check that out, that's a really great show as well. More of a entertainment focus, just talks about whatever he kind of feels like talking about, has really cool people on that, that do cool stuff and bring a lot to his show. Really valuable guests. I watch it myself all the time and he does it similarly to how I do it where he just puts out little clips of short parts of it and highlights his guests that way. So definitely check out the Big DK Energy podcast. One really cool, important point that I got from Danny was the importance of doing self-inventory and just letting that help steer your career path. What this meant to him was when he decided that he was going to pursue media as a career, you know, he had this preconceived notion that to be successful, you had to be doing kind of the traditional just money involved job you know an accountant a financier ceo something like that that just a traditional business role but he ended up doing a really deep self-inventory on himself at a point and realized that what he was was a creative that's what he was really good at and passionate about and so he ended up just using that to carve out a different kind of career path for himself in media where he was able to channel that creative energy and really has been very successful building his own media company and now podcast. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. It, it made me think about doing 
my own self inventory, you know, kind of continuously and just making sure that I'm very aligned with what I'm good at and want to be doing in my own career. So very awesome point for anyone in any industry, whatever your passion is, let that steer what you're doing. Another cool thing was hearing Danny because he watches my show as well, hearing him give his take on me as a host and how he sees me as just kind of a a conduit of getting good information out there. And one, this was really cool because that's really what my aim is here on the show. Two, hearing him just describe that, how he sees that to me really helped me thinking about it after our interview, helped me kind of refine my process. And it's led me to just do a lot more research into how I as a host can get better at bringing that great information out of people and allowing them to deliver it in an exceptional manner. So really just helped me double down on that. And then another thing that we talked about that was really cool, you know, we went back and forth a lot on different notes on being a podcaster, kind of a a podcast about doing podcasts, which was cool. Definitely check it out if you're interested in that. Uh, We get into a lot of detail with that, which is cool. And one really cool thing that stuck with me was just his guest selection process he really tries to select guests that have you know one of a few different qualities one if they're just a good talker and he thinks that they could talk well for a while easy choice for a guest there he also thinks of people who just make a a net positive contribution on the world in some way i thought that was really cool that's uh it's gone into a little bit of the selection process i have and factors into my decision more and more now after hearing about that and talking to him. So that was really cool as well. So the fourth interview that I did in this series, so the 14th overall was my friend Zach Wallace. So Zach's a really good friend of mine. We go way back. We've known each other since the very beginning of college, you know, rushed a fraternity together, stayed great friends throughout. We were roommates for a time. Aside from just being a cool catch-up conversation, Zach had a ton of valuable stuff to contribute in his conversation. Check his out. If you're honestly just looking to advance your career quickly, that was the the kind of common denominator of what we talked about. And he's found ways to really shortcut advances in his career in a really impactful way. And the the first point that really jumps out that stuck with me is he talked a lot about how he was able to find people that were kind of the future him, people that he saw as being a little further along in the path that he's going after in his career, doing exactly what he's looking to be doing in five years. So he talked a lot about how he would just take those people out to lunch. You know, these were at the time executives in his company that he was working for that he felt like were just the strong players in his organization, something that allowed him to talk to them for a little while and really bounce stuff off of them, ask them questions, learn about how they got to where they're at so that he could implement those things in his own journey. And that's allowed him to really shortcut things and avoid having certain downfalls and failures along that journey that those people had that they've been able to relate to him and so that he can avoid them. An important caveat of this that he talked about that you should definitely think of and be aware of is that there's no 
really one size fits all approach for anything. So while you do need to find those people and learn from what they've done, you also need to take that information and kind of tailor it to your own process and how, how your personality is and what works for you to really be effective in doing that. Another really important thing that helped Zach advance in his career so much is just finding a way to boil down what it is that he does in his position and actually figure out a way to turn that into some kind of model. So he has done this a couple different times where he's able to advance in his career because he actually helped his managers replicate the role that he does by making a model for them and allowing that model to serve as something that could educate someone new in that role. So I thought that was a really awesome point. If you're looking to move up in your organization or if you're looking to hire someone to do something that you currently do, you should be trying to figure out a way to model what it is that you do and replicate yourself so that you can move on to doing the the more difficult, higher leverage kind of activities that it is that you are able to do. And I think that kind of goes for any industry, really. If you're, if you're just looking to move up, if you're looking to maybe move into a new position of management, higher position of management, or if you're a business owner just trying to bring on someone new or advance someone in your organization already that's under you. Another awesome point that Zach went over was what he called being a pioneer. So what he meant by this was if there's something you're trying to do just because it hasn't been done before does not mean it can't be done. So just really keeping that mindset and realizing that you can be the first. If you're trying to do something difficult or innovative, be a pioneer, be willing to be a pioneer and just charge on and make it happen. Having that mindset can lead to the creativity that it takes to actually get you there and make some kind of awesome new stride that has not been done before. Another important note from Zach came in our talks about him being a manager and you know the things that have worked for him as a manager. And a couple of the things that stood out were just being inquisitive and flexible as a manager. As a manager, you need to, you know, consistently be talking to the people that you manage and figuring out what it is they need from you because it is literally your job to be there for them and help them advance whatever it is they're doing. And you're not going to know that intuitively, especially because everyone is different. So this note of just you know having those conversations, figuring out what it is they need from you specifically as a manager to be able to best serve them, I thought was very important. And the flexible part comes in just understanding that everyone is different. So if you find yourself on a team managing a number of different people, you need to have that conversation individually with each of them to figure out what it is that drives them, what it is that motivates them, and the type of feedback and communication that they need from you as a manager to ultimately be successful in what they're doing. And, you know, their success ultimately leads to your success as a manager and the organization's success, whatever it is that you're doing. Another note from Zach was that it is absolutely essential to find a driving force of some kind in yourself 
to be able to do what it is you need to do. A huge driving force for him was being able to meet certain monetary goals he had set for himself in a certain amount of time. And that worked really well for him. He mentioned that for a lot of people, you know, specifically some people that he manages, that is more like, you know, being able to support their family, being able to do certain things for their family. So this can come in all different shapes and sizes, a little bit different for everyone, but really it is so important to just think about what that driving force is for you, what motivates you, and continually remind yourself of that so that you can stay reaffirmed in what it is that you're doing. This also made me think about what is it that is the driving force for me personally. And for me, it comes down to just leaving an awesome and powerful and impactful legacy as a business owner. I am passionate about business. That's why I do this show talking about business. And so for me, it's very important that I leave some kind of powerful and impactful and positive impact on the business world as a whole. That is something I'm constantly thinking of now, even more so. It really drives what I do and helps me be effective in it. The fifth out of this series of five interviews that I'll be going over is number 15 overall. This was with Chris Carvajal of South Edge Roofing out of Jacksonville. So he has this company, this is the main thing that he does as you'll kind of find out if you check out the interview, he does many things. The main thing, however, though, is this roofing and construction company that he's been running with, I believe, one or two other partners for about four years. This company has been incredibly successful because of the ways that he's been able to really, really provide a high level of service to his clients and differentiate himself from other roofing and construction companies. And also because he's very, very analytical and his approach of how he gets leads, measures leads, and tracks his ROI. The importance of tracking your your leads and your prospects in a meaningful, important, and customized way to your actual company. That tells you a lot about whether what you're doing in the way of lead acquisition is actually working. So he has a number of different ways he tracks this. Um, if you check out the episode, you could get more details on this. One of them is that he has separate phone numbers actually attached to the different paid ad strategies that he runs. He has those forwarded to his actual phone. So when he receives a call, he actually sees where that potential lead is coming from and whether they are a lead or a non-lead. That does a lot for being able to recognize whether his individual efforts are working and which ones are working best. And what that lets you do as a business owner is just double down on the things that are working and continue to elevate those to the top of your priority so that you can just continue to expand on what is working and bringing you the most success as a company. Another thing that was really important that Chris talked about was this concept of building a solid foundation as someone who's looking to be in the entrepreneurial space, building that solid financial foundation and allowing you to be able to go after 
potentially riskier and higher leverage opportunities that come across you without having to worry too much about whether they're definitely going to pan out. For example, you know, if you come across some some real estate investing venture that someone wants to bring you in on and you really don't have any kind of savings, it might be a little dangerous to pursue something like that because it's going to take some capital on your part. It's going to take some time on your part. And if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, you could be in deep trouble financially. Many people would not be able to pursue an opportunity like that if they had not set themselves up to have some kind of foundational savings that if something goes wrong, it doesn't work out, they can always fall back on, build back up, and then go to the next opportunity. Doing that in his life has allowed him to pursue riskier, higher leverage opportunities, not all of which have worked out, but many of which have worked out and have allowed him to really take things to the next level and the next level and be successful in his career just because he had that solid foundation that he went out of his way to build. Another really awesome thing that Chris and I talked about and related really well on in this kind of general conversation about entrepreneurship was just the the value of being your own boss. And I want to give a caveat to this. I don't necessarily think this is for everyone, but it was just a cool thing for us to talk about. We both really related on this. For both of us, personal freedom is very paramount. That's a huge part of what led me to the entrepreneurial space in general is having a high level of freedom and the ability to dictate my own schedule on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis and for that to be a little bit flexible. He talked a lot about being able to spend more time with his family and go on vacations if he wanted to. And he has kind of been able to carve that time aside for himself because he put in a lot of hard work to establish the ability to do so. Another important note that Chris had to talk about was we had a conversation about whether or not you should try to find an investor for a new business venture and also whether or not you should have partners in a new business venture. The best takeaway that I got here was actually that it depends. There's no clear answer, and it depends on the type of venture that you're going after. So the important note here was not that there is a clear answer in every case, but just that you should take every consideration into deep account when you are making those decisions. If you are thinking about bringing a partner on, what are they gonna bring to the table? Are they gonna bring something to the table that you can't bring yourself? They don't necessarily have to be bringing some incredible background or skill. It's ideal if they do, but just think about yourself personally and the conditions under which you work best. If just having someone to bounce things off of all the time is very important to you, then you probably want to partner in what you're doing. If you're very much to yourself and just do everything yourself, it's difficult for you to take others' inputs into account when you're making decisions. Having a partner might not be for you. And then on the investor side, it can be great to have a little bit of capital to help you grow your business a little bit faster. But there's also situations that he talked about that he's seen and experienced himself where bringing on a partner causes you to miss out on very massive future revenue that you would have been able to get yourself if it was just you or just two partners instead of four or something like that. So it's just, it's all part of the consideration. Um, You have to kind of balance that with 
what those potential partners are bringing to the table or what that potential investor is bringing to the table. Um, one thing that I want to kind of add to this conversation that we didn't necessarily get into is the combination of those two. If you are looking for an investor, you should be looking for someone not only that can bring capital to the table, but also that can bring some kind of connection, some kind of experience, some kind of value to what you're doing because you can find money in so many different places if you have a good idea and a legitimate business model. But what every investor doesn't have is the actual knowledge that could elevate you quicker and you know shortcut some of that business growth and really help explode the business. So that's a very important consideration, I think. So that has been the most recent five interviews that I've done already a couple into the next few. So look out for the next breakdown video once I hit 20 interviews. Can't believe it's happening that quickly. This uh, These interviews have been flying by, but I'm having a great time, especially kind of reflecting on them afterwards, getting a lot of value out of it. So check out all five of these past interviews that I did, numbers 11 through 15 on my channel if you haven't yet. Until next time, this has been Profession Session. This has been my breakdown of videos 11 through 15. I'm your host, Brody Vinson, and I'm signing off here. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We can be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for profession session dm me or get in contact with me anywhere just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking